Welcome to Bankless, where we explore the frontier of internet money and the internet finance. And sometimes that frontier of internet money is found at a conference, which is why last weekend I flew out to Tel Aviv, Israel to attend the Starkware Sessions, a two-day event hosted by Starkware to bring the greater Starkware and Starknet ecosystem together to meet, learn, discuss, and build the future of Starknet. And as you might be able to tell, I have totally lost my voice from doing all of these interviews that I've brought back to share with you all here in the Bankless Nation. I personally wanted to go to the Starkware sessions because my understanding and comprehension of the Starkware ecosystem is not as strong as my understandings of other parts of the Ethereum ecosystem. And this makes sense when you learn about the design choices that Starkware has made. They've built their own developer language and their own virtual machine instead of using Solidity and the EVM like most other layer twos and other alt layer ones out there. Why did they do this? What benefits does that bring? How much friction does that make for developers? How do StarkNet developers feel about the protocol they're building on? How much ownership does the StarkNet community feel about the platform that they're all creating together? These questions and many more are the questions that I sought answers for during my short time in Tel Aviv and why I wanted to go to Starkware sessions in the first place. And I certainly feel like I've got these questions answered. But instead of just telling you what my conclusions are, instead I'm bringing back nine interviews I did with various stakeholders and builders of the StarkNet ecosystem so you can conclude for yourself what you think about what's being built over on the frontier of Stark World. I interviewed Uri Kolodny and Ellie Bansassen, the founders of Starkware, and who I'm warmly calling the dads of StarkNet, and I asked them about their perspectives of the network that they have spawned here. And by network, I don't just mean protocol, I also mean community. Both Uri and Ellie understand that what they've built has become much more than just a technology. It's also become a movement, which has been exemplified by the community that has come to surround them. I also interviewed a governance steward who's a member of the Starkware Foundation, but who's more part of the StarkNet community than the Starkware team. And I asked him about how he thinks the future of StarkNet community ownership will play out. I did two interviews about smart contract wallets and account abstraction, Madi from Bravos and Yoav from the EF. So you'll learn about the frontier of smart contract wallets in these interviews as well. I also interviewed the Sysmo team, who's building an identity and privacy system using zero-knowledge proofs. I talked to Cartridge, a platform that's building the building blocks that all StarkNet game developers will need. There's also Herodotus, who's building out what's called storage proofs, which opened up my brain to a world of possibilities I didn't think possible. I interviewed Only Dust, which if you're a developer looking to get started making money developing on StarkNet, definitely listen to that interview. I talked to the StarkNet ID team, StarkNet's native identity system, and also interviewed Ignoyama, who's building out ZK-proof chips to ensure that individuals can run ZK-proofs themselves at home, much like the same ethos of Ethereum staking. I hope you enjoy all of these interviews, at Bankless, we try and bring the frontier of crypto to you in a fun and digestible content format. And I hope that's what I've done here. None of these interviews are longer than 20 minutes. So for those of you that can't keep up with the fire hose of Bankless content, maybe these shorter interviews are just a little more digestible. And of course, if you have specific questions about my experiences at the Starkware sessions or about any of the interviews that you're about to listen to, hop into my Q&A channel inside of the Bankless Nation Discord. This channel is dedicated to asking me directly any questions that you may have about any of the content that you hear on Bankless. So if you're a premium subscriber, make sure you're in the Discord so you can have access to that channel. If you've got a question that you want to ask, feel free to drop it in my channel because I basically live in there these days. So without further ado, let's get into my interviews from the Starkware session, starting with Uri Kolodny and Ellie Ben Sassen, the founders of Starkware, or what I'm calling the Stark Dads. But first, a moment to talk about these fantastic sponsors that make all of these interviews possible. 
Kraken has been around for almost as long as crypto itself. As crazy as crypto is, Kraken has remained a rock for its clients, building out a platform designed to stand the test of time. Kraken is all about proof, not promises, which is why they've pioneered a proof of reserves, a system that lets Kraken's customers verify for themselves the solvency and responsibility of the Kraken Exchange. And for this reason and many more, we've chosen Kraken as Bankless's strategic sponsor for 2023. And once you're done using Kraken to get your dirty fiat money into pristine crypto assets, perhaps you should check out Arbitrum, where so much of the frontier of crypto innovation is taking place. Arbitrum just announced their Stylus initiative, which is their brand new programming environment that lets developers deploy apps using their favorite programming languages like Rust, C, C++, alongside regular old Solidity EVM apps. Devs can use any coding language they like, and it simultaneously drops layer two fees by an order of magnitude. It's a big deal. So many of your favorite DeFi apps have already deployed to Arbitrum, like Uniswap. But did you know that Uniswap isn't just for ERC-20 tokens anymore? Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator too, to make sure that you are getting the best price on your NFT purchases. Uniswap gives NFT collectors and traders powerful tools, all from the cozy, comfy Uniswap interface. By the way, it's also got a native fiat on-ramp, it's also deployed on like every layer two, and it's got this nifty cool thing called a universal router that ensures that you always get the best price on your trades. Crypto protocols like Arbitrum and Uniswap are becoming super powerful. So make sure that you're also using a wallet that's equally as powerful or else you'll be missing out. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet experience, check out Phantom, the number one wallet of Solana, which has recently come to both Ethereum and Polygon. Phantom has native NFT support, giving you your own NFT gallery from inside the wallet. Phantom is both a browser extension and a mobile wallet and is also the only wallet to span both the Solana and Ethereum ecosystem. Systems. Check it out at phantom.app. And now let's get into the interview. All right, Uri and Ellie of Starkware, the founders of Starkware. The first question I want to ask you guys is, uh, I mean, you guys are big into math, big into all of this stuff that really makes blockchains up and run. But the thir first thing that I noticed while we we're here at Starkware Sessions is that this is, um, this kind of starts to feel like its own network state, to use Bology's words. Like there is a community of people here that feel empowered and have agency over building the system of StarkNet. So my first question to you guys is, is this what you guys expected when you first started along this journey long, long time ago? Uh, I, for one, had no understanding or expectations in this regard. My, my uh, sort of initial impetus you know, coming into this was uh, actually around verifiable computation. And as someone who actually required, Ellie alluded to this on say, I, it took me years to sort of under, appreciate the value of that. I still see tremendous value of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, this whole social dimension of, uh, of StarkNet, uh, I would not have known to dream up something so as beautiful as, as we have here. I, it's just, we're very fortunate to, you know, to have it. My answer would be yes and no. Yes, in the sense that, um, it was always clear to us that this is a transformational technology that will you know, conquer the world. Mm -hmm. We didn't know, and we still don't know, whether Starkware will be you know, able to best monetize it, maybe someone that comes later on, or whether we're going exactly down the right route. Mm -hmm. And so it was very clear to us from the start that this is you know, going to conquer the world. Now, no in the sense that the particulars of how it like is evolving is like it's it's so hard to predict i don't know for us like any of this but it's so much fun and it's so uplifting to see this independence like this 
which also comes with like this losing control over this thing. Right. This is like it's like a child. It's way bigger mm -hmm. than 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 what we could conceive of. Mm -hmm. The, when I first got into Tel Aviv, I immediately went over to the hacker house to see what all the hackers were building. And the first thing that happened was uh, a governance workshop where two members of the uh, StarkNet Foundation uh, sat everyone down, sat down on the ground, you know, like crisscrossed criss their legs and, were, they, and answered questions about governance. Uh, but it really seems to be in the early days of StarkNet governance as there isn't really like people are learning how to govern not really there's no governance roadmap and it's something that really the community has to come together to determine how are you guys seeing these conversations progress both from your, the from the starkware side of things and how are you, how are the developers of starknet like auto organizing themselves i would like to say that i know enough and am in some sort aware or on top of some of these things mm -hmm. but the frank answer is no, I, I, I don't have enough uh, like time and um, presence of mind to uh, even learn and follow all that's going. But I have a very deep trust and conviction in, um, you know, I believe this community will transcend um, the way like governance is done today on blockchain because there's much to hope for. Mm -hmm. And I have good feelings about it but i'm not I, on top the, of the uh, i'm not fully up to speed on this stuff but the last at last count i knew of i think 93 delegates uh for you know for for starknet people presenting themselves as, as as delegates and that's an amazing number in my opinion for something so nascent um and i probably don't know you know the vast majority of them which is wonderful um so you know, I think it's off to a promising start. There's a ton of work ahead and a ton of experimentation and invention in this regard, in this dimension. I'm sure there are a bunch of ideas in the ecosystem that we can build on and learn from and, and probably maybe, you know, variations on various themes. Um, and we look forward to that. I think that's exciting work. And uh, I was watching your guys' uh, opening statements this morning and, and your opening talk about how we got here in the world of Starks and, and all of this uh, crazy math, which breaks my brain. And it's very clear that both of you have a very strong understanding of math and cryptography and some of the deep underlying technologies, but no one has an understanding of governance. Like, it's almost an impossible thing to understand. And I actually kind of think that's perhaps to the best for StarkNet, as in, if you guys had a grasp on governance as you did on math, it would be a little bit more top-down when it needs to be a little bit more chaotic and bottom-up. Uh, do you guys have any, any thoughts about that? I, I want to say that, um, okay, blockchain is relatively new, mm -hmm. and because of that, blockchain governance is still fumbling around a little bit. Right. But the nice thing is that humans have been dabbling with governance for, right. you know, since ever. Mm -hmm. And there are things like, you know, corporations, there are democracies, there are open source projects that are very inspiring and amazing. So I hope that the StarkNet governance takes a little bit from these um, well-established and successful models, you know, things that resemble corporate governance, open source projects, uh, democracy of a various source, representative democracies and things like that. And then, of course, um, imbue in it uh, the, the, whatever is new in, in blockchain, which do, does operate differently. But there is there are precedents to take from and be inspired by and i hope we'll, i hope whoever's doing the governance will 
we'll take that. The, the, the thing that I find most interesting and most challenging, um, also most menacing in real life in the context of democracies, is finding this balance between, in a democratic sense, giving everyone a voice, yet allowing experts to have their proper say and the ability to to control all sorts of, of very fine sort of human interactions from sort of falling off the cliff. And I He's think speaking it, about current Israeli the politics. And 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 I and I think that um, finding that balance is, is is a huge challenge and maintaining that balance as we see is made perhaps an even bigger challenge. So yeah, a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, how many people have come out to the Starkware sessions? Do you guys have those numbers? I don't know exactly uh, because there are multiple events, etc. But I think right. somewhere between eight, 800 and 1,000 people uh, for a bunch of different events. Uh, some of us, uh, well, organized by a whole bunch of uh, what coalesced around this is this East Tel Aviv uh, right. thingo uh, with uh, uh, Fireblocks and a bunch of other companies. Uh, and we're happy, very happy to sort of see this whole thing, this whole week sort of come to life. And it, by the way, I, I don't know if when this is going to come out, but, but if anyone has a chance to go to the Hacker House, that's complete insanity. Just, just the, the, the energy, is, the air is, is uh, it, there's electricity in the air. I really urge you to go there. So if uh, 800 to 1,000-ish people came out, I'm going to guess 80 to 90% of them are very technically minded. And that is um, probably what every single developer ecosystem looks for to generate inside of their own. Like That's a success metric. So first off, congratulations on all the success. Thank you. What did Starkware and what has Starknet done well that produced that outcome? What, what, what are your guys' strengths that allowed so many people to come out all the way out to Tel Aviv to attend this conference? Um, well, I, I think two things. In terms of tooling, I think the emphasis on saying, yes, there is something very appealing and very exciting about the math, but at the end of the day, we're here to serve developers and we need to offer them the tools that make them happy. And Cairo 1.0 is right around the corner. And that's a huge draw for a lot of this crowd. I think that's one thing. And the other thing I think is, is actually not technical, is social. There's some, something uh, authentic that people feel and they're drawn to. And, and the, there's a virtual cycle around that authenticity. And, and I'm very happy it's, it's uh, sort of uh, unfolding this way. I'll add to that that um, Starkware and its technology are, we keep saying this all the time, we're not about hype, but we really, you know, it's the real thing. And developers recognize that. What do I mean it's the real thing? We actually ship the things we say we're going to ship, and they actually work very well from the point of view of developers. And they are, you know, they exist there. They're not just tweets. They're not just, you know, test nets that take forever to get to the next stage. These are working things and developers sense that. And at the same time, it's very new, but I think developers, they also sense that this is a technology that really can really, really scale uh, through fractal scaling and layer threes and recursion. And there's a lot of room for expansion. So they. They want to be part of that. One of the things I'm noticing is that there's starting to be some stratification in the Starkware ecosystem. Uh, and I'm not technically minded, so I'm doing my best to understand how this goes. But there seems to be people who are really interested in the protocol design of Starknet, 
and all of the associated things about that, sequencing, like uh, all blockchain, all that kind of stuff. And then there's app developers in Cairo on top of those. And those seem to be the two main camps of people that have auto-organized. Uh, are, are there any other camps that I'm missing in the Starkware ecosystem? And how do you see this playing forward into the future? Um, I think that around layer three, there's sort of uh, a community forming. I think that around the whole programming languages dimension of it, of Cairo 1.0, there is uh, like a sub-community forming. Um, yeah, and the, the, the nice thing to see is how these things sort of, they coalesce of, of their own uh, accord. To the dApp developers, which are usually small projects, and the infrastructure developers, I would add the businesses. So, you know, Visa's use of StarkNet for account abstraction is an example of like an enterprise, as big as it gets, that is looking into this. They're not the only ones. There are a lot of, there are multiple, you know, banks who have sent here their, you know, innovation teams to look at what's going on. So that's like a third category that is, you know, inquisitive about this technology. Yeah, there, there was a conversation yesterday between uh, the blockchain lead for a, a big uh, credit card company that I will uh, leave unnamed and, uh, and uh, Terrence of Cartridge about you know the work they they've been doing around account abstraction you know and I, and I told them that the cartridge is closing the gap with the you know b building on starknet etc but the gap between blockchain technology and stuff that that our parents can use and uh, and that's a big deal i was talking to uh, the bd guy over at starkware starknet uh, about the, the visa use of uh, StarkNet for account abstraction. And he was joking about how he didn't, of all the BD that StarkNetware has done, Visa chose StarkNet of their own accord. Uh, what yeah, was the yeah. conversations like when you guys heard that news uh, from the StarkWare team? So uh, maybe this goes to this point around authenticity, right? That, that you can sort of uh, force your way into sort of uh, press releases and literally buy uh, sort of uh, the, the interaction and, and pulling people onto your ecosystem, or something can happen in a more uh, sort of authentic and organic fashion. And when it does, it may take slower, you know, it, it's, 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 it's slower, it's, it's, uh, it's harder, but when it happens, there's something more uh, sort of stable about it. It's a, it's a solid foundation to build on. So the, the application layer on top of StarkNet is starting to really come alive, and there are some categories that I'm start, starting to see play out. There's uh, just, of course, the, the world of account abstraction, but that's just a means to an end for you know, more usage, right? So the gaming ecosystem on Stark, StarkNet is starting to become pretty alive. Um, what, are, what are some use cases that you guys are seeing that perhaps intrinsically interest you? Like, uh, what, what's your favorite use case on, on the StarkNet ecosystem right now? I, I, would, uh, I don't know if it's going to be the one that is like, you know, the killer app, the crypto kitties, right. if you will, of StarkNet. But it's one I would really like to see pushed more. It's the whole social network and proof of identity mm -hmm. and bringing the humans, you know, through reputation, credit scores, uh, you know, I own my data. Right. Because I think... Really, if the end, so, you know, we started with proof of work, then there's proof of stake. But if you think about it, the, really, the end point you want is you want, like, one person, one vote as, as an infrastructure layer of blockchains. And even, we need to head in that direction. So, it's going to take a while, and we want to do so in a decentralized way, right, without governments and, you know, KYC things. Um, but anything that has to do with, like, you are the master and owner of your information and your history, and you attest to your credit and worthiness, I would love to see those things. That's my favorite. 
no, I, I share the sentiment. I, uh, around things supporting sort of broad reach social interaction and, and, and coordination, meaningful problems that are, have yet to be solved in the real world, I think uh, I, I'm eager to see that play out. So if we were to go back to 2013, 2015, when like the early Starkware um, just foundations were set, I kind of would, I would always ask my, my guests a similar question. If the roadmap for, for Starkware or StarkNet was maximally successful, what would it look like? I kind of imagine this might actually be what, it, what would that answer look like back in 2013, 2015, where you have a thousand devs coming all the way to Tel Aviv to take part in these conversations. But let's extend that forward. So we're in 2023 now. What does the maximally successful roadmap for StarkNet look like if we go into 2028? Um, you know, the problem with me is, is I lack imagination in a very sort of extreme <laughs> way. So I, I, the only thing I can do is sort of take some recent activity and sort of multiply that. So like the StarkNet CC events, which are community organized, there have been two, about 500 participants in each one. In 2028, I suspect they're going to be Many of these all over the world, they're going to be sort of like open sourced in, a, in, in the sense that, that uh, the only Dust team and No Guardian teams that organize this, I think, are going to sort of open it up to other community members to organize these events. And I expect we're going to see these as sort of coordination and networking events all over the world. And as Eli said on stage this morning, the, the, the face to face interaction. Uh, there's something very, very powerful about it in terms of enhancing uh, interactions. So I, I expect we're going to see that in a massive way. My hope for 2028 is, okay, like number-wise, I have no doubt that this number 1,000 now in 2028 is 10,000 or more. Uh, you can, you know, quote me on that and like I, I w we'll talk in 2028, hopefully. So let's see where we are. Um, so number-wise, I have no doubt that this is going to like really, really uh, explode, uh, which is good. But at the end of the day, blockchain is a technology that enables social functions, social goods. So I would really love to see um, StarkNet blossoming into this layer that is dominated not by the developers, but by people who are socially active and socially aware and want to take it a step further for the betterment of society, right? So like, again, things like voting systems, reaching consensus on stuff that really matters, human rights, or that's what I'd like to see in 2028. Now, maybe 2028 is a bit too soon for that, but I think that's where, really, where it really should be heading. Well, of course, uh, everything about crypto is always early. Uh, so maybe the conversations start in 2028, and then in 2038, yeah. uh, that's when it actually happens. Probably. Uh, so uh, <laughs> as, as all ecosystems that start to grow into themselves, uh, the original parents of them probably get confused by some of this weird stuff that's going on, because that's just what they do. The, the bird has started to leave the nest, and that's definitely what we're seeing here. So what, what do you two focus on on a day-to-day -day basis? What's a day in the life of Uri and Ellie? Um, well, my okay. There's before uh, Uri uh, dropped off the map, and there's after. So after is very clear to me. I'm just like you know, how do you say like trading? Try to keeping my uh, head o above the water and like uh, dealing with stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to have a bit more time to properly 
try to think about certain things and get involved in like uh, the material, like thinking about governance or, you know, tokenomics or... Uh, uh, so when he comes back, which is going to be soon, uh, I'll do a bit more of that. Mm -hmm. But now it's just... Uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on a medical leave of absence. I hope to be back soon. Um, before that, I was sort of... Uh, well, a bunch of things, uh, sort of making sure trains run on time in a broad sense and doing my best to attract talented people to join Starkware in the ecosystem. And, um, and, and a fair bit of just making sure information flows, meaning someone talks to you and you say, ah, you should talk to X about that. Do you know that they're also working on something like this? And so a fair bit of that just sort of as a, a router of, uh, of information mm -hmm. in the company and in the ecosystem. Uri loves this quote, 90% of life is just showing up. Mm -hmm. So I think there's this, you know, connecting things, pushing something like this sort of very prosaic, non, uh, how do you say it, non like... Uh, Not terribly glamorous, yeah. Just yeah, so. but like that's 90% yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, of what goes on sure. in life. And uh, just for the added context, Uri, you, you opened up the, the Starkware sessions with uh, you, you, you both, of course, the two founders on stage to, to talk about like, oh, there was an unexpected medical emergency that I've had to attend to, so, which is not to say that the founder has dropped off as like, no, this is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something else. Uh, but what was your reaction to the uh, like, moments like this trigger reflection and trigger like learnings and all of a sudden you're able to look at the Starkware, Starknet ecosystem from a different perspective. What was your learnings in those moments as you had to step away as you were viewing Starknet from a, a more of a distance? The, the decision to go on a leave of absence was reached within minutes because, frankly, it's, it wasn't only an emotional need, it was a very, very practical need for my family. Um, I'm insanely fortunate in the sense that Starkware is made up of... Uh, just a, a, a crazy number of talented and capable people. And, and we've succeeded in building a culture where uh, the system, the human system, can absorb this kind of shock in a very trivial fashion. And, you know, often in startup land, you say, you know, Ellie was referring, you know, what happens if you get hit by a bus? This was, for me, as close as it ever got to a bus. And the organization just... Uh, operated in the smoothest of fashions and and you know looking back sort of, of uh, 20 some years of entrepreneurship this is probably the one thing I I'm most proud of that it was put to this stress test and it passed in flying colors and uh, and it may sound ironic why are you so proud of the fact that you know this ship can continue without you without even blinking and I don't know the answer to that is I don't know why but I, it's just I'm I'm bursting with pride well it's very cool you guys have certainly built a very alive ecosystem which is the the one key success indicator that we look for in this space um, as I watched you two uh, open up this uh, the the conference uh, I was just struck by how you guys just seem like age-old college roommates you guys have been I don't know working with each other for decades now uh, and uh, you guys even look like each other at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's that been like having a second half to, throughout all this so, journey? So, yeah, we're, we, we're, 
It's a little disturbing the number of people <laughs> who say that we look alike. Um, yeah, we we've known one another for uh, many, many, many years. It has made a, a remarkable number of situations. It's turned them from challenging to trivial on the business front, on personal stuff, on every, every dimension of, of this story. Uh, we've worked very closely over the past five years. We've been friends for many years, but we haven't worked this closely, I guess, since the late 80s. So... I'll add to that that... Um, so, first of all, um, well, you know, now that he's on leave of absence, so, like, you know, when we're together, first of all, we fight and bicker a lot. And um, on like a whole bunch of things, professionally, you know, ego things on like, uh, you know, matters of style. Um, but I know what I'm saying is also true for, for Uri. Like, I have the utmost respect for him as, you know, as a professional and as a smart person. And no less important than that, just like, and I said this for him from day one, and I'll say it, I'm sure, the rest of the, my life as I am sure that the sun will rise tomorrow I know that I can trust him at, at a very deep level like you know we fight we argue there's a lot of things we disagree about but like at a very fundamental level you know our technology is about integrity but in humans you cannot replace integrity with any kind of math so you need to have this like relationship of trust and just at a very deep level um, he's worthy of trust I, yeah, I, I, I can, I can only. Uh, it, it's it's really funny how how in this trustless universe, at the end of the day, in order to to do what we're doing, it's based on very deep human trust. But there's an abundance of that here. So. Well, Ellie, Uri, uh, you guys, I think, exude some of the principles, the deep first principles thinking that really is important in this space and. I'm glad that there's two of you to, to carry this ecosystem forward. And so thank you for everything you're doing to thank contribute. You, thank, thank you, David. Thank you for David. coming out. Cheers. Thanks.